Hey everybody, welcome to episode 34 of Tactical Crouch, competitive Overwatch podcast uh, with the, your favorite people in Overwatch currently doing a podcast about Overwatch or whatever. Call Tactical That's Crouch. That's us. We'll, we'll get it there. We'll get that there. Right? Maybe yeah. one day. Someday we'll make that uh, a thing. Uh, of course, I'm Kick Tripod. We've got... The entire crew, man, we're at like 70% our normal selves today, I feel like. It's going to be a weird one. It's going to be a weird one. We've got Mr. Uh, Hay Fever over there, Volamel. Just look like he got, I don't know, punched in the face. I'm so, I feel like puffy yeah. all through my sinuses. You're like kind of like... red. It just, yep. You have nice eyebrows, mm -hmm. though, so... Thank you. If you if you didn't uh, show up for the uh, pre-show, you missed out. You we we did some story time. I don't know if that's uh, an incentive, but uh, you guys need to need to show up and and ask some questions. Where's the checkered shirt? We retired it for today. Okay, so no plaid. You're gonna have to deal with stripes. God bless America. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we own stripes. Yes, guy. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, wearing plaid this week. And um, can't tell an itch from pain <laughs> right now is Yiska. Good to see you, man, <laughs> I guess. So, Thanks for sticking this one out with us. Yeah, it's fine so far. Like, it, it usually gets worse in the evening, right? When you have a cold and then towards, like, going to sleep, it's bad. But, yeah, there's some, some hours to go. All right. Well, hopefully you can stick it through another hour. But, yeah. Got a lot of lot of Overwatch stuff going on, actually. Yeah, Especially for not having Overwatch up. League, you know. it's mm -hmm. We've got a Pacific Showdown coming this week. We've got some trades to talk about. We've got... Um, some closures, yeah. if you want to call them that. Disbands, can I, can I, whatever. Can I just say how nice it is to have this mid-season break? I honestly, I'm, I'm so great. Like, I think it's great to have that. There's a lot of opportunity for patches. Like, there's definitely viewer fatigue for me. Sure. Uh, like, and certainly also for people, you see it go down heavily in terms of viewership on the subreddits and whatever. Everyone's enjoying their break from it. And then you can start up with new excitement. Teams get to sort of like incorporate these new players into their team. And it's, it's less harsh on them to get them in. I, I think mid-season break, it could even be extended by like a week or something. I mean, there would be an opportunity for patches. We're not using that one apparently, but yeah, it just like structurally, I think it's great. I like it in theory. I still would have liked like watch point to kind of be sporadically through the week to kind of fill in that gap. So you can be kept up to date. You can have, you know, the experts come in, talk to the viewers about what's going on, what might be coming in the future, their thoughts going into stage three, you know, giving them content. So that at least they're, they're continuously interested. You don't have to tune in. You can watch at your leisure. It's not mm -hmm. like a live show that you need to tune into um, creating content around the league from the league or from some sort of like official third party, uh, um, I, I think it's important. I think it's a missed opportunity that they haven't done so yet. It, it's, it kind of comes back to my same gripe with like last year's like uh, playoff finals. Like there was no like hype videos around it. There was nothing mm. put out with the league. It was just like show up. You know, there, there's a missing element of like excitement or like like a, a small breadcrumb trail that yeah. they're like kind of leading you into stage three, and it's just absent. And I think that's. I think absence does make the the heart grow fonder, but 
you gotta you know gotta gotta ease them into it again that like, not just ease in but also just like summarize what happened in the first two stages sure, because yeah, that is a lot of information to take in just go through the the stuff that we had paint an accurate picture for instance like thinking of mvps okay overwatch league is doing that with articles reinforce that one sure, um sure, sure, sure. like other stuff is coming it's it, it is in that regard it's pretty cool i wish just we had like broadcast just like you know, summarizing performances over the season. Who's in the running for uh, MVP there? What cool plays happened? What memorable moments? Mm -hmm. Stuff like this. Well, the uh, the mid-season, or not the mid-season, well, technically it is like the mid-season break, yeah. which is a little bit longer, but even the interstage breaks, like, I would not mind at all if they extended it a week and, like, but, like, had them say, like, you know what? we recommend having your team stay on and we're going to do content week. Sure. You record a bunch of content to put out for the next stage that, you know, it's kind of, it's not like super timely, right. You know, whether it's just, you know, uh, creating some storylines about your players or whatever, because there is that like in esports, there is that just kind of like content drought that happens. And mm -hmm. Overwatch League now did it in the first season. Now they've done it in the second season. We're like, yeah. The I first mean, week bad. of broadcasts were amazing. So much great content. So mm -hmm. much like awesome featurettes or whatever. And then week two hits and I'm back to watching three minute timers between every yeah, like, uh, map or whatever. Up. I'm like, there's no reason for a timer to be there. There's I'll no literally reason. put up clips. Play the other thing. They did then. Yes. They, they, right? they, they've improved. I will say like, I can gripe about them and we can gripe about them, but they have slowly improved, like even with their featurettes and their videos, like the um, the shock Vancouver piece that we, you know, was overused a little bit, but great piece for the stage one a, finals. Better than a timer, by the way. Yes, 100 percent. So much better. But like the, the quality, they're starting to kind of find their footing on what kind of content they want to make. They're, they're bringing in people that have better ideas of what they should be doing. And and, you know. As much as I criticize the league, I, I do have to commend them and, and say, like, yeah, I like this stuff. Continue doing it, please. It's great. I think everybody likes it. I just want a little bit more of it. That's all. <clears throat> I do. Yeah, uh, yeah we kind of kind of jumped into the news. Well, we didn't really jump into the news. Uh, but before we do, quick housekeeping stuff. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at tactical underscore crouch. Tweet us your questions and topics you'd like to have us discuss on the show or uh, bring them up when we record live on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time, bring up your questions. If we like them. We'll post them in the notes and answer them where appropriate, usually at the end of the show. So uh, definitely do that. And of course you can watch or listen to tactical crouch, wherever you can listen to podcasts or watch YouTube videos. So yeah, that's it. the only reason why we weren't live yesterday is because somebody was getting their, fantastic internet put in so yeah. we will be back on schedule from now on and we might have an extra podcast this week we'll have to see we'll yeah. see yeah we be, hopefully see. that works out because that'd be really cool we mm -hmm. um yeah so i did get an internet upgrade i was running only a gigabyte down and 40 up uh yesterday and i'm now running at a gigabyte down or gigabit gigabit you know whatever Gigab i can't remember i think I it's think, a i don't know i think bit Bit mm -hmm. is transfer speeds, byte mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. it's like size. Um yeah. and like eight bits in a byte, but you don't use them in that way. Something like that. 
anyways, uh, we now have one gig down and one gig up. So I can I cannot worry about sweet. you know that upload issue that we were having. So apparently Comcast gives you this gigabit down 40, potential sponsor. Forty megs Comcast. up. They they do a lot of great things, but charging me for internet is not <laughs> one of them. Uh, apparently, I share my upload speed of forty megs with other people in the building. Which, if you notice, during prime time when we're streaming the podcast, we would drop frames multiple week. Found out that was the mm-hmm. issue. Is that uh, is because we were sharing the upload with other people? And I'm like, I used to have ten up and not drop any frames. Now I have forty and I'm dropping frames. That's ridiculous. And they're like, yep. I'm like, can I pay more to not have that? And they're like, like $200 more. Ooh. And I was like. Uh, so what are you with? Are you like, what what uh, ISP are you with now? I, I literally picked up the phone. I was just like, uh, hello, AT&T. AT&T, are you there? Please come on. Come on in. <laughs> come on. And they're like, yeah, we can be there in two weeks. So then I had to use that internet for two more weeks. Dang. I still actually have it hooked up. You can see the modem right there, the the Comcast modem. So technically, I do have like two ISPs right now. But yeah, it's been running great since. So, whew. Interesting, and interesting. Both. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it was business class. Anyways, that was a good story. Sorry I had to take care of something in chat. Let's talk about some news. Uh, first one, Paris Eternal Academy have disbanded after being demoted to open division. Uh, <laughs> I, f- I feel like we talked about this in hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. Right? In hey. like, like when, when Academy teams first announced, it's like... Yes. What happens if yeah. one actually falls out? And apparently that's a thing now. If I'm going to be completely honest, might not be the only the only academy team that falls out. China's got one that's in trials. They haven't started trials yet, but I would not be shocked if they fell out. Guangzhou Academy did not do well this uh, this contender season. So is uh, Eternal Academy the team that Swoosh was coaching? I believe so. Yes. Mm-hmm. You went from yeah. doing gig yeah, yeah, to Paris. Retired from that, yeah, yeah. The thing is, and to me that has always been a whack aspect of contenders, but there's a really real personality, a possibility that they might buy, uh, or they could potentially buy, not saying they will, but they could potentially buy back into the league. Buy a slot, I always yeah. thought that, that was whack in a way, but yeah, it's not impossible. Yeah. So not the I mean, first time. I don't know. This is, uh, you know, EU is not really my strong suit. Anything that you could tell us about Eternal Academy for people who maybe haven't watched a ton of EU contenders trials or anything like that. Hmm. They to just... be honest, not reliably. It's just like they had a couple of good pieces, I suppose. Um, in the end, honestly, that was. That was at times a clown fiesta from the games I've seen, but I also don't have uh, um, seen nearly enough to have an accurate uh, analysis in my head mm-hmm. for them. So whatever, like 
Yeah. It was just kind of surprising. And I, I obviously we've, we talked to, you know, people a little bit closer to the teams than what we're comfortable with. And yeah, going into trials, like teams like clockwork vendetta, young and beautiful, you know, these are teams that you wouldn't expect uh, an academy team to kind of lose to even i think they lost to uh, i mean you've, you've got teams like wind and rain and crescent dew um let me pull up their record but like they're just dropping games to like teams they really shouldn't uh they beat q lash uh lose to clockwork vendetta lose to young and beautiful like it's it for the cow like the 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 the, the the what do you want to call it? like the name potential like the the power of the the names that they have on that roster and then the the back end granted academy teams are a little bit overblown in that aspect but still like you know got you have a little bit of funding you have a little bit more resources than you know some unsigned team um, to lose to you know trial teams is uh, not good not good at all mm. yeah yeah well we also had another. Uh, academy team disband and this one was not because that they were doing poorly so uh which is the understatement the uh, florida mayhem organization of course had mayhem academy you know the the team that had better branding and better records than their overwatch league team yeah that that team there so uh they have disbanded after kind of taking a hiatus from contenders You've got Mangachu on there, Manitan, Paintbrush, uh, Curry Shot, who was on the show, uh, coach there. Reprise was actually on Overwatch League Daily back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, lots of lots of great talent there going to free agent. Um, man, I mean, so like my understanding of this is just primarily budgetary. Is that... Yeah, I would imagine so. The only thing that makes me question that is that they've been pretty public and saying like, oh, we'll be back. Like we're going to we, we, we'll come back and we'll have a, a roster that better fits our our main team, which obviously means that they're probably going to try to import you know some Korean players. that They want to draft upwards into the team. But I don't know. That's the only thing that make, makes makes me question if it's a strictly just a budget thing or if it's just we don't need it right now. So we don't have to have that's it. a really so good point. Yeah, because if if the Mayhem's commitment is going to an all Korean roster, you look now and it's Canadian mm-hmm. finish, right? Yellow and sure. yellow and blue flag. Yiska, that's that's Finland? is that Sweden? Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. 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 My bad. <laughs> That's my face. Uh, a couple Americans on there, so yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I mean, sorry, go on. So it's like, yeah, I, I had nothing else to add. Okay, so I mean, in itself, in a way, that team paid for itself because you got fate, I suppose, of the trade. Mm-hmm. You also got to get rid of some salaries. And then rather than um, rebuild, it's still very, very sad. I also wonder what they're going to do with their coaching staff, because I think that was some of the best parts of their team. Now, if they've gone full Korean, they probably don't need these guys. So I wonder 
and I don't know, I have no idea, but there are coaching staff uh, members on other tier two teams that have buyouts. I wonder if that is true for um, Reprise and Curry Shot, because I could see that others are going to take, even our teams, going to take interest in them. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm wondering, like, they are sort of selling their talent machine. I, I already, honestly, like this, I still believe hybrid rosters, as we elaborated on last episode, are the way to go. I think they're taking a step back from what is feasible. I also think the coaching staff that they had in their academy team would have been conclusive to making su- such a thing happen. Then you just need like a good Korean head coach, and uh, depending on how that is, uh, like that search is going. But you need them that one anyway. Now, I, I guess. So yeah, I, it's. It's very interesting to me. And if, if Curry Shot and Reprise don't have buyouts, my god, they're just like giving free potential money away. Like the opportunity cost of that is just for me, knowing these the, the work of these guys is pretty insane. I think they're making a mistake in that regard. And um, yeah, but we will see. I think it, technically the value of that tier two team has already been demonstrated i don't see why they wouldn't have been able to um to repeat that that is if they didn't know that kershaw and repress were going to take be picked up for overwatch league eventually that is also a possibility and they knew they would have to also hunt for quality stuff again in that case fair enough i, I don't know what's happening uh, or what's in the works but if you're actually sitting just like on the salaries of these players depending on the contract once again um, yeah, it, I, there's, I, I don't see it being even a financial benefit, to be honest, mm-hmm. in the wrong term. I think it's important to also hold them accountable because if you're, if you are going to make that calculated risk and say, okay, we, we know that you've, you have a track record of success, we would we would like to bring you up but the way that our our main roster is positioned we can't really afford to do that not necessarily financially but just the way that you know the the land is at the moment the way that the ecosystem is on the team so with that decision to go full korean while knowing that you have an academy roster that is built fairly well doing incredibly well with solid coaches that are you know spoken highly of and have lots of credits behind them and you choose not to kind of Re- reinvest in them, double down, bring them onto your main roster and let them kind of help build out your team, maybe build around some of the players you bring up that are of age. I think you have to kind of hold them accountable there. So if this this team doesn't really work out and you just let free agents go and you, you use these trades and you let the coaches go off to wherever they land and they do well and yeah, your team flops, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to have to point a finger and say maybe maybe that was a missed opportunity and maybe this wasn't the right idea because again, again i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of them trying to dip into the korean pool i don't I, you're gonna have to outbid a lot of different teams i don't know i i still think that was probably a the wrong choice yeah how many how many players from mayhem academy have been moved to overwatch league was it three Fact and Shacks. I know Fact Fiction and Shacks were specifically Cloudy. Yeah, for the week he was on that team. Um, right. Um, apply, apply, I guess. I mean, um, they have they have a decent track record of moving people out. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but a big part of I could totally be misunderstanding here, and I can like already see Dream probably yelling in Twitch chat if I say this wrong here. But my understanding is a big part of what makes um, f- the uh, the financial like the financial part of owning a contenders team makes sense is basically the buyouts, mm-hmm. right? Buyouts, opportunity of raising your own talent. You definitely can't underestimate uh, the marketing value that you could potentially have. In the future, also like scrims, especially if it, if you have a terrible team, yeah. you're not getting many Overwatch League scrims potentially. We know that from last season, yeah. right? So right. So um, I'm like, I mean, I wonder if it just was, you know, like I don't, I don't have a spreadsheet of like all the other contenders teams that have, you know, that are doing well are moving more players forward, and maybe they're like, well, if we're not moving forward, it really doesn't matter for winning if these players are moving forward. Mm-hmm. Are, we really, are we really making money here like yeah. at some point like that probably has to matter but that's all just kind of guessing i mean again you I, I it's very significant when you look at this is another team that i have to pay salaries for i'm in a emergency management phase with my main roster where i'm having to shell out for new players left and right i need to make this season mean something if i want to kind of keep my job so mid-season i'm gonna have to make some big moves gonna have to trade people away get people in you know there's still coaching staff to kind of fill out there i I gotta imagine florida spending a pretty penny on this this season that they didn't really expect to to have to spend which is surprising because that roster wasn't great but right like i don't know what you expected yeah like they're i would imagine that they're they're probably shelling out here I, again they let players go and let their contracts just kind of not lapse but they're they're kind of letting them ride out their contracts on an inactive roster so there's just money being hemorrhaged there like i don't know florida's uh juggling a lot they're spinning a lot of dishes here i, I we'll have to see i don't know but yeah financially i, I got to imagine that they're kind of hurting Speaking of academy teams, though, that are uh, promoting their own players, uh, the Toronto Defiant have uh, two new players coming up from their main roster or to their main roster from the Montreal Rebellion, which is their academy team. So both gods and man, I'm going to suck. I'd say is it Sherrick? Sherrick? Uh, both gods and Sherrick moving up. Coming on up, joining the big boys. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a move. Uh, that's crazy, to be honest with you. This is going to be uh, Defiant 2.0 coming into stage three. I don't know what to expect from this team. Uh, we'll have to get into that later on. But uh, yeah, well, Toronto, I, the, Toronto Defiant have kind of had an interesting kind of go of things with in stage one right so we look at stage one standings and you know they're in playoffs five and two looking great stage two they're two and five mm-hmm. yeah big fall off so, symmetric schedule once again like five and two means nothing if it's against bad teams it's just how it is just like 28 and 0 i mean if you could dodge all the 
all the interest. I don't know. I, I think they looked pretty bad. Like symmet- like asymmetrical schedule, you know, I'll, I'll concede that, but there was a big drop in performance. Like I think that was just obvious. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the move per like from a theoretical point of view, once again, right after the last episode, makes Russell's way to go. And we're going to PvP this later on, so... Okay. Yeah. If you yeah. want to save so, your points, because yeah, this, you is, this to... is already interesting. Yeah. Sure. But just yeah. wanted to bring it up. There are two new yeah. things. Hopefully, um, our our episode this weekend, if we get to happen, hopefully can shed some more light on that as well. A lot of bit of light on that. Again, I, I want to, you know, bring up the point. You, if you guys want to speculate on roster moves, you have to look at the coaches first, look at the coaches who they've coached before, what roles they need and start pulling from there first. Where does it make sense? Is there any unsigned talent? Do they, you know, is, are they on, you know, their, their Academy roster and can they be moved up? Gods has worked with Bishop before. I thought, Saw, I thought I saw somebody asking chat who actually speaks English on this roster. Obviously, Broy, their analyst, Fun. speaks quite a bit of English. I think he's, I would say, quite fluent. Um, I, I believe, <laughs> I know for a fact that Roki like has like semi-conversational, like he can go back and forth with you, like you know, words here and there. But like, I don't know how good he is at calling. From my understanding, they're working through it. Um, we'll have to see. Obviously, it's it's going to be interesting. We got to that. Yeah. Of course, right. in terms of contenders news, there was also we kind of forgot to mention it in the notes. But NRG also got rid of their um, their contenders roster. It's just like was I mean, if week? it happens it to one a while team. Ago. Uh, no, I think it was like shortly after Mayhem closed. Oh. Yeah, or, yeah, Mayhem Academy. So it's it. I mean, if it happens to one team, that's maybe an organizational thing. If it happens to two teams, okay. Like, if, if it happens to more teams that are just completely abandoning contenders, then we got to talk about structural incentives and how that... Either the equation from the teams and what they use the academy team for is not advanced enough, mm-hmm. or the equation just doesn't make sense for certain teams. Because, for instance, for... Uh, Spitfire makes a lot of sense to engage the local fan base and do that. Also, like Spitfire had success with selling Overwatch League uh, players into the Overwatch League, making a name for themselves there. They had international success. So maybe it only makes sense. Maybe the breaking point for Mayhem was, do they get to the Atlantic Showdown? Okay, now it's worth it. Whatever it is, if, if it happens to more organizations, especially this year, then we got to talk about uh, structural pro- uh, problems in the contender scene. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's got to be kind of something going on there. I think there's also something where the shot kind of have a unique thing where, you know, they can, they've kind of learned that it just, maybe they can just buy the roster that they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just right? buy talented players that aren't of age and just slap them on an inactive Let contract. Else, and... You know, it's, you know, you've got the, the ideal ideal is that you you sell off your talent that you don't need for your own organization. Sure, and, sure. And you make money off of them. We call that the Minnesota Twins approach. And the opposite approach is the New York Yankees. We're just like, we're going to buy that guy. We're going to buy that guy. We're going to buy that guy. And we're going to buy that guy. <laughs> like, just have... They actually... I don't know what their scouting system is like anymore, but they had a good one for a while, and then they had a really bad one. 
so you know, like maybe there's something to it there where shocks just like we don't really need the cost and we're not really worried about like maybe we think that the way to go is just to buy the players rather than to do some just create own. create some legacy. It's not know, like people be, be the, just... are shock having issues finding scrims and are NRG realistically good scrim partners for the shock. Like I don't know how else like. Uh, yeah, I imagine that. so. I mean, I will say just like as a as a tool in which they used it, especially like to bridge over a Rascal's contract until the next season, because I think they signed him after the signing window and then to the contenders team. So that gives them uh, the ability to match whatever offer is coming in. And in that regard, also how Rascal is playing, that paid off, right? Mm -hmm. That was a move that even though it looked unlikely in the past, if you know the player itself, know the motivations, know the structure, know which head coach you have, what the synergy is there, how he performs under pressure, that might not be as ridiculous of a um, scenario to calculate. And now that also paid off in, in a big way. So in that regard, just holding that, they sold Swan, they had uh, Damon on that team. I think, honestly, the, the, uh, the team NRG Esports so the contenders team, academy team for uh, shock, actually already fulfilled their purpose in that regard. Yeah, it's a good point too. It's it's, it's a such an it's a it's such a good tool in so many different ways. I think the big problem is it, it's just not financially. I don't think you can cut like draw even uh, consistently. If that makes sense, I don't think you're even like floating in the yellow e like long enough to make it worthwhile especially with teams figuring out what they're doing for 2020 this that the other thing it's just another kind of plate they have to spin another thing on their minds that they have to worry about you have to manage the team house hire managers there this that the other thing i, I can't imagine it's uh all that exciting all that fun for the pocketbook either um i guess the big thing that i'd like to see change is maybe lifting the sponsorship uh, sponsorship regulations to make teams uh, look at look at the prize money, look at the sponsorship a little bit more favorably. So they want to keep their teams around to support this uh, this fledgling scene that is going to need support at some point. You know, you're going to need the next generation to come up, and you're going to need that that scouting ground. So you know, we can't just yeah. abandon this. Well, this is also probably a pretty good segue into what we have going on this weekend, which is the Pacific Showdown, which is going to let us see some, you know, kind of t contenders levels teams go together in a tournament format outside of traditional contenders. And, you know, you had just kind of talked about other ways to monetize your contenders teams. Obviously, one way you could do that is outside of contenders winnings. And uh, with uh, tournaments and such, we don't see a whole lot of those, but we do have the Pacific Showdown coming down this mm -hmm. week. Joe, I expect this to be the most in your wheelhouse. Sure, sure. So uh, give us the skinny on what's going on, who's playing, what. Yeah. Uh, long and short of it, we've got two teams from China. We have the first seed from China being Lingan Esports Huya, who are the Chengdu Hunters Academy team. And strangely enough, kind of squeaking out, the second seed is T1W, who many people, uh, or few people, 
um, might know as a, a big Chinese staple. This season, as of late, they have not looked. Uh, it's a completely different team in terms of performance. Same players, just performing very, very badly. So those are your two Chinese uh, representatives. And then from Korea, we have Element Mystic, who ended up winning in pretty convincing fashion over O2. And O2 is obviously the second seed. Pretty exciting teams. I think they're going to do very well. And then from uh, the Pacific region, we have Talon Esports. Kind of a... Uh, they're interesting. They they they, uh, they have a style. They, they try to force it as much as possible. They like to play Mei. They like to play Genji. They, they run some, some oddball stuff, but but for the most part, still are leaning on the somber goats, your standard 3-3 comps. And then Order, who still has like a little bit of spice. They're like vanilla bean ice cream instead of just your, your typical vanilla goats comp team. Uh, they like to throw in, you know, a little bit of a little bit of ash here and there. So I think, you know, there's a very clear bottom pack and there's a very, very clear top pack. And it's it'll be interesting again. Um, if, if you're tired of seeing goats specifically and you want to see some some different looks, you want to see some Doomfist, you want to see some Sombra, maybe some triple DPS comps, uh, I'd tune in. Maybe even catch the VOD because I know it's kind of early. It's it's I'd say it's EU kind of uh, friendly, but uh, for all us NA folks, it's it's a little rough. It's VOD town. Let's let's complain about how we <clears throat> in the U.S. shouldn't have to watch games at 1 a.m. What a travesty. Unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's rough. It's rough for sure. You know. Very it's, rough. It's uh, great. It's not fun. Nice. You don't want to agitate the pay picks of the Overwatch League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you're talking about pay pigs. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Like why? Like no sponsor for the showdowns. Nothing. Mm. No, no, like title sponsor. I I think I feel like it is pretty quiet around both of these competitions and also the Atlantic showdown anyway. Like who's casting? What's happening? Like, you know, in that regard, we know I don't know if there's an English broadcast for this. It to is. be completely honest with you, uh, I don't know. If... Avril and Pixie are doing it. Are they okay? Because yeah. I I know that they had announced like the the East casters, but no. I didn't. Think I just any did English a, on there. I just did a show. Um, I, I produced a streamer showdown, and Avril mm-hmm. and Pixie. I was and Avril was on it. It was a Game of Thrones okay. edition. He's a big Game of Thrones fan. Actually, knows a lot about Game of Thrones. And we were talking afterward, and I had already kind of heard through another source of the English broadcast casters. Mm. And so he goes, yeah, just be watching my Twitter feed. Uh, you should see something cool coming up. I'm like, I think I already know, man. <laughs> He's mm. like, oh, how do you know? I guess I know Good, people. good. Well, good for them. Hopefully yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be tuning in tonight. At least I will. Can't, won't speak for everybody because, again, it's yeah. at 1 a.m. Yeah. So what? we'll have to see. What about, I gotta ask, because apparently uh, Avril and Pixie announced that themselves on Twitter and it wasn't incorporated in the Blizzard uh, press announcement. Has anyone announced casting the Atlantic Showdown? Not that I know of. Chat? I don't think so. And that is also weird. I'm sure someone will be at the venue, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, is it the usual European crew? Are they all flown out? Like... It's so, super weird, yeah. It's I don't know. I, is it weird? I feel like this is pretty par for the course. Like they wait till the absolute last minute to say anything about anything. 
I think we're kind of used to contenders and Overwatch League announcement stuff where it's, you know, weeks and months in advance. Whereas in like the old tournament days, like you knew that ZP and somebody else was going to do Alienware monthly melee, but maybe you didn't know mm-hmm. until just a, you know, a few days before until who that was. It's also the thing is, it's so different. Like the takeover to uh, one and two tournaments, right? With very different atmosphere than you're right. used from other tournaments. Are we getting the lag structure where we can sit uh, players down on the couch? Or are, is there going to be a separate caster room? Which is, by the way, very possible. They have done it for other language screams it, during takeover that they had like a separate room where the German cast was happening or whatever. But yeah, like, what, what's the experience going to be like? Is this going to be highly professional, like uh, ties and suits? Or is this going to be, oh, yeah, uh, Numlock, you want to cast? Okay, come in stuff like this mm-hmm. right and that makes it for a very different experience yeah i mean it totally and you're going to be at the atlantic showdown correct yes i will be get us some tactical crouch footage will you <laughs> just get <kidding>. us <laughs> yeah so you're gonna work that yeah, too it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting right because these are kind of advertised as kind of big thing Hundred twenty five thousand dollar prize pools um, at least that's what I have up for Pacific. I'm assuming Atlantic is the same, if not more. Pretty sure. We'll just say it's the same. So, I mean, that's not that's nothing to squeeze at. I mean, how much is, what's the prize pool for a whole season of contenders? It's mm. kinda, I think it's close to that, isn't it? Yeah, the the uh, Atlantic Charlotte has also 125,000. Uh, uh, what is this? NA East was 200K prize pool split across eight teams. Split across and it's based off of like wins and mm-hmm. stuff too, right? So yeah, yeah. basically it's a big chunk of change for a weekend of games. Definitely. So, and, and, you know, there's added benefit of putting your players out there, highlighting them and potentially shipping them off. Regional invitation slots for the gauntlet, and I, I assume the gauntlet will be actually a pretty big thing this time around, just like I'm the hoping next so. year. So I'm hoping so, man. Again, yeah. like the end of the year for Overwatch is going to be pretty hype. We have, you know, Overwatch League playoffs, and then we've got gauntlet, which is going to be a, a culmination of, of some pretty cool stories and, you know, get to see the, the first one hoisted up. So, yeah, I'm excited. I would love to see during the the breaks between stages just to have a one off tournament like this. I don't care what region. Yeah. I don't care whatever. It's just there's something fun about like a tournament bracket. You know, more is on the line. Everything kind of matters. Double elimination for this one. So um it's not, you know, you're not immediately out, but I don't know. I just kind of miss the old tournament format, you know? Mm-hmm. It's always nice to have, you know, a little bit of a change of pace. I think it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, maybe one of the Overwatch teams flown out to the the showdowns, and maybe you have like a a semi serious like show match with the winner. At, you know, kind of like testing, you know, look, let's see how the best team from the Pacific Showdown fares against the Shanghai Dragons, for instance. And, you know, we're playing in Shanghai. The team comes and reps their city. Crowd goes nuts, and they they play a semi serious, you know. They're, they're going to try a little bit. You you cannot you virtually cannot do that from an Overwatch League perspective because 
the disillusionment of the differences between level of playing contenders and Overwatch League would be insane to the average viewer. Sure. I'm like, I'm very confident that one third, the bottom third of the Overwatch League, so the bottom six teams, could feasibly be replaced with the best contenders teams in the world, and it would improve the Overwatch League. Of course, I'm like the the there's some overlap where that couldn't happen because of age restrictions, mm -hmm. but in general, it's like you gotta keep these two uh, separated if you want to have the illusion that the highest level of play is going to happen in Overwatch League. And by the way, I'm not convinced that this is going to continue next year. I think if we're on the road, and depending on what, what kind of a, a schedule we have and how we travel, how much practice time there is for each player, if they're actually traveling every second week, how are scrims going to go? What about the European teams? Do they get quality scrims? Dude, I can easily see that Contenders is the highest level, higher level yeah. competition um, in the world, especially then for the Korean uh, teams that can just like, you know, be in their little incubator and just uh, battle it out for the longest time. Seoul should have a huge benefit just based on that, that they get half of the season to practice in Korea. Um, you, you, by the way, you also want Contenders, the Contenders seem to be super strong, so you have very good scrim partners everywhere you go and are available also through your contenders team so next year even if it's not encouraged or like mandated like it, it would honestly for many teams especially non-american teams be very stupid to not do that and in general like i'm i'm a little scared depending on what kind of travel schedule we get is that i'm just going to lose interest in overwatch league because i i can see with my eyes that element mystic is once again producing one of the teams. It's isn't it already scary that Runaway is the best team in the world? I mean, that from like you last... just shuttled it in, and uh, yeah. it's it's like isn't it sort of like already setting a precedent for that to work quite well? There's a there's a part of me, there's a very cynical part of me that wants that to happen so that there is this big churn and there is a, a more of a focus on scouting and trying to bring up the best players possible to kind of like maintain that level, even though there are going to be a lot of, you know, hurdles thrown the Overwatch League's way with travel, like you mentioned. Um, but yeah, is it, is it good for business? No, but th there's something there's something primal in me that just wants to see some of these teams that have half-assed this stuff, like just to get shut up by like some of the some some random no name like contenders team from Pacific just comes in and just mollywops the Houston Outlaws. I think would be fantastic. Or the it's Florida a, man. Dude, it happens all the time. They warm up before their games and they get hilled at spawn doors by contenders teams. These Overwatch League teams, some yeah. of them. It's it's honestly like okay how how serious are you going to take it maybe before that but dude in regular scrims it's not much much different and yes it, the goal of uh, sure. playing scrims is not necessary to win and maybe they are trying to adapt nah man I watch these games and it's just like they they be in trials some of them mm -hmm. some of the more competitive regions yeah so yeah. how do you so how do you make that how do you make it so that the best teams and players are in Overwatch League without totally uh, like just being like, all right, Robert Kraft, here's your $20 million back. We're going to fill it up with, with somebody nah, else. I mean, nah, it's, it's not about that. It is literally about GMs being 
absolutely on top of that game. You need to have, like, again, I, I, like I had this article idea already in mind, and I would have called it, or I got it typed up, but never released it, um, Gatekeepers to Greatness. Like a GM or whatever that position that person is that inhabits that position on an Overwatch League team that makes these decisions that about talent, uh, sorry, about players, about staff, that guy has so much responsibility and has so much responsibility also, also to pick up the best players that like invest their youth and all their drive to make the best teams. It's not just about a responsibility towards like their organization, even though now people will, oh, that's business. No, I don't care. There's a moral um, guideline to consider here that these guys should be trying to get every every single player that tries their hardest like it, it should never be the case that the best player in the world is outside the overwatch league unless there's a, an age restriction thing mm-hmm. and the, dude whenever it, it is so painful to me whenever someone c- comes up and it's just like we're discussing talent and someone says oh is this guy overwatch league level What does does that that mean? mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Are you saying, okay, if we filled up, like, just like, okay, so we have, like, uh, uh, a pool, and the the players that are the best are increasingly light, so they bubble to the surface, and you just cut off at some point, and the heavier ones just sink down. So the top, like, all the best players are in, none of the worst players are comparatively in. Is that Overwatch League level or is it Overwatch League level what's actually in Overwatch League where there's someone in that honestly are OD tier? No no kidding. There are players in, in Overwatch League absolutely under contract that are that would probably have uh, problems getting on contenders teams in some of the regions. Now I wanted to kind of talk about the GM point because I agree that GM should be the people going out there, creating the system, putting people in charge of, of helping them build a roster that's going to be successful. But we know that some GMs in the league have completely delegated away that responsibility. And now that now, not, now that role lies on somebody else. So you could interchange the GMs and it's not going to change either the culture of the team and it's not going to change the roster of the team because that role happens to be in another area that that responsibility is put on somebody else so it's i agree like you've got to you've got to turn out the gms if they're not if if your your franchise if your investment talking to you you know whoever out there is spending all that money if your gm's not doing the right job and they don't have that responsibility of, of fixing this roster then you need to find out who is and you know yeah loose yeah Here's another thing, dude. You know how I always talk about how real work, like real game performance is the most important thing in order to recruit players. And when you bring them in trials and they just blow, blow you away, but we're otherwise terrible in, in normal season games, then you shouldn't consider these trials nearly as strongly unless you have a very good reason to and be highly uh, aware of your own biases of like, oh, I can fix this player or whatever. That is not happening. Now, on the same way, if you are currently interviewing a GM from a successful contenders team, and in your interview structure, it's not the person you imagine it to be or have some sort of problem with their personality or think, ah, they don't come off as like, you know, this transcendent you look at their record 
That is the only thing that should concern you. Are they building a brand with their team? Do they have a clear cut outline? Are they a name in the scene? Do they win championships? And if that is yes, it doesn't matter what this interview told you. It virtually shouldn't matter to you. You are not better at selecting someone than the system itself is. You look at the results and say, okay, you implement this person because based on the results, I personally don't have the expertise to judge someone on the, all the types of abilities that you need in esports, but their, their record speaks for themselves. It doesn't matter if they have a college degree or whatever. You hire them. It's certainly better than what, what most of these people had or teams had before. I think if there's, you, it, there's somebody that really like sticks out to me when you say that is, is Huck, right? Huck is really polarized as a, like a community sure. figure in esports, going yeah. from, you know, going from a player to like, say, you know, got dude is when he, if he's saying something, he's speaking his mind. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I can't imagine that that interview, like his, his track record had to have said a lot because I know a lot of, you know, coming from like a corporate company world, it's it's the same thing, right? Like, doesn't matter how good you are at what we're hiring you to do. Like, are you a good culture fit? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. There is these like people are a, bullshit vendors. Yeah. They are bullshit vendors. That's what they are. Hold on, that's so that's not totally true. As the GM being responsible for everything in culture, culture in an Overwatch League franchise is probably a little sure. bit more different and in depth than culture yes, in a contenders. Yes. You can't just directly translate. No, no. Sure. contenders to, to overwatch league is basically mm -hmm. all, all i'm trying to say there but yeah. i also agree in the sense of like well this person didn't do very well but they have a can-do attitude like uh, that's also just like no nah, dude yeah or, or, or they mean, were recommended to be by somebody give somebody yeah. who's proven that they've can be successful in the systems that you the game developer advertises being the developmental league yeah. for your league mm -hmm. yeah. and give those players the opportunity or those coaches or those yeah. GMs or whatever, the opportunity to do that. It's not, not only one number one, you, uh, you reinforce the integrity of your system mm -hmm. and, and you bypass the people who want to go outside that system for whatever their jobs are. So you keep people in your system, which only brings more talent to your tier two scene, which actually might be bad for Overwatch League right now. Uh, but yeah, I just like it's it should not be this case to where we aren't seeing the best of the best. And we see it at every level in an Overwatch League franchise. We do yeah. from GMs mm -hmm. to social media to marketing to players and coaches. No, it's a yeah. uh, it's a pain, and I think even the way that teams are recruiting players, you know, I, I don't think the speed at which you recruit your team matters. <clears throat> I I still think there's questions there, and I and again, it has to go back to the to the to the brass. It goes back to the head head office, and what are we doing? You know, I, also it's not succeeding. What I, I have to, give. and it's usually not the players. You can you can rotate all these players all you want, but you're still going to just bring in mediocre talent. You're going to get mediocre results because the people up top are hiring those people. I also got to call out DC here. It's like, okay, so in my mind, you know, this guy was uh, promoted to assistant GM, right? 
And my mind was like, okay, they, they finished the selection process, found someone because Kate was also assistant GM. They're probably not getting a GM. Their selection process is gone. He has been behind the scene since the guy facilitating the sleepy trade, facilitating um, like certain coach pickups or whatever. Someone is pulling these strings. Now, today you put out a tweet saying that you need a general manager while you're making all those decisions without having someone. It's almost, already... it's almost like that responsibility for the roster is put on somebody else. And once again, this person that you're hiring is going to pick, uh, have to pull up with the bullshit you're making, and then you're going to throw it on that person for this is a clown fiesta. So what is going on you're there? You're saying it's a clown fiesta because it appears that they're just looking for a new GM now. I mean, that in itself is yes, that's part dude, of it. But it's also like I've never heard this. Is, what does this person do if they're not in charge of managing the team and helping to facilitate trades around the team and building the team or, or delegating to other people that help build the team? It's like almost like there's somebody else in charge of that, but they're some sort of like scapegoat. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, it's very. Maybe it's German business culture, and you got to tell me, uh, Tripod, if, if I'm off base here. But is it not very, very normal that if, you, if management changes, so you have a date set for the manager, that the new manager comes in, and there's like a, a period where they exchange like information, and it's just like, okay, you got to do this here, and like just like work, helps work them into the job. And that is just normal business practice, or is that just the German thing? Because I feel like I've never been with a company where that wasn't the case. Uh, so, like, I think ideally, yes. Like, there's this transition period. I mean, you just saw this with Blizzard, right? Mike Morheim mm -hmm. stayed on in an advisory role, which is basically handing the baton over to Jay Allen Brack. Yeah. And, uh, but there's also, like, you know, not all. Uh, breakings in management are uh, mutual. And if that's the, true sure. for corporate culture, I, I would imagine it's even more true for a growing professionalism type. Uh, sure, it's a growing scene. Yeah, You're like, still trying to figure we stuff out. We know that the most mature people are not necessarily coaching and GMing no. in Overwatch right now. Hmm. I'm not calling any of those people immature, by the way. Sure. I'm just saying that there's sure. more mature people who are maybe a, a C-level whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, But, like, ideally, yeah, there's some sort of, like, translation, handshake period, and then, you know, it was, you kind of, you, you, and, but it also at the same time, like, in esports, there hasn't really been that. It's like, hey, we announced sure. that this coach is gone today. Yeah. And we're announcing this new coach. And I mean, at least there's someone else to sort of help you. Like, but in my mind was like, okay, so they're definitely hiring someone in like the last two weeks of the contract for Kate, right? So they can have like, you know, well, they, give they over the... They announced that Kate was leaving at the beginning of stage two, right? Mm -hmm. Or like around that time? It was yeah. a month and, plus and in advance. Yeah, and then they've definitely been looking behind the scenes before they made this public post about, you know, trying to hire a new GM and, and again, a lot of this is speculation on my part, but it's based in some form of reason. You know, why are why are we looking for a GM and why don't we have one on, you know, on not on reserve, but 
when you rotate somebody out in that kind of position that has that that should have that level of power, why is there not somebody immediately filling that spot? Because that's a big power vacuum to not have filled. I think that's the shifting hats to other people that either don't have the the credentials to do it or my maybe, so my maybe personal it's, maybe guess, it's vapid. I don't know. My personal guess is and again, like this is all guess. We're all all we're doing sure. right now is is asking like why wasn't this handled better? Yeah. So the benefit of the doubt route is that they announced Kate was going to be gone. They started doing interviews immediately. They've been interviewing for the past five, six weeks, and they just haven't found the right fit that they can <sighs> afford, bring in, uh, can shovel their culture, shit, um, whatever, okay. you know, like there's, there's that level of it that like just because they haven't found one in the time that their GM came up doesn't mean that like they haven't been looking for one or had no, no idea no, that of we course needed not. to fill no, no, no. right? They have been interviewing. They, they no, definitely... Don't get me wrong. They absolutely have. I just think the amount of time it takes them, in my opinion, is not becoming of the level of talent that is out there and that could do the job. That I think you should have narrowed it down to like three people right now and then made your decision. That a tweet is now going up is... Okay, to be fair, to be fair, somebody points out in chat, good point. Kate's role was technically assistant GM, so maybe we're yep. putting a little bit no. too much emphasis on the role. But no, because she was assistant no? GM for the entire organization, and her roles were specifically for DC. She clarified that in a tweet right after okay. it kind of came out. Okay. People were like, wait, what's this about an assistant GM? And she's like, I forget the guy's name. Uh, she goes, you know, this person is, we're both kind of assistant over the entire organization. He mm. basically takes non DC. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's possible that this guy is also like doing a, a good job. I don't know. It's just one thing. Okay. I got to say it. It is. It's one of the guys that helped Wizard Young already in NYXL with his data stuff. I think from what I've heard. Mm. Like, I, I, you would have to assume some loyalty there. Dude, I know you got to make it work with it, Wizard Young, but depending on the contracts, that's, it's done, dude. That system has failed. It's run its course. Get as far away from that as, as you can at this point. Work into another direction, away from necessary statistical analysis. Like, even people that are statistical analysts will tell you how little value there is when actually applying it to Overwatch right now as well. Like the the amount of applications is so limited. And that, that project has failed. I understand there are contracts in place. You gotta write it out, but come on, you cannot let this faster and install people that seemingly and that is unfair. Maybe this guy is the real deal in terms of analyzing real gameplay and understanding what players are valuable, whatever. Um why that's that's the question why hasn't that shown itself they've had two stages so far and they've gotten how many wins yeah more than shanghai did last season then again we're we're all pooping on dc here they're still a better team than mayhem easily a team with a trajectory yeah and like that is still more uh promising to me than um what they did in the past you think even Mayhem with the new changes? We'll see what stage three looks like. I don't think they're done yet. I like the fate signing again. 
we'll have to see. I, I think oh, that, uh, you're going to be very surprised, mate. Then let it, let it let it happen. Yeah. Let it happen. Let it let it fall as it may. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, I'll I'll be willing to praise it. I'm I'm an equal opportunity, you know, hater. If you're if you're yes. bad, I'm going to tell you you're bad. But if you're good, great. You did good. You improved the roster. Congratulations, Washington. You started bad. End of stage two. You looked improved. That that Boston win was was good. Hats off to you. You're making improvements. One hundred percent. You're a better team than the Florida Mayhem. You're still a bad team compared to the rest of the league, though. Yeah. All right. I like that. That's fair. <laughs> that was kind of a, I know we didn't kind of really plan on mm. doing that as kind of our, our bulk of the show, but it is a really interesting concept. And I think we continue to see, and, and I, I don't think that we give enough credit in saying that it's not easy to just create a brand new organization from nothing. No, of course not. And, you know, you have some franchise. I mean, you have LCS, right? Which is probably the yeah. closest to franchising in esports outside of Overwatch League. So you've got a lot of trial and error here. And I think you definitely saw, um, you know, you saw some people who kind of went with the GM route who's just kind of more of an organizational guru and can like delegate that stuff really well. You also went a GM route of like, this is the smartest person in Overwatch right now. They know the game in and out and play it at a great thing. They're going to lead our organization. A lot of teams took a lot of different routes. And, you know, the people Definitely. at the top, people at the top made those decisions and they are paying for them. Some of them are, you know, continuing to bang their head against the wall. At a season and a half, if your team is still struggling and it's from an organizational thing, you have to switch your organizational philosophy. I, I think. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. just, that's I, I think teams are too quick to start moving players around. And I think there's definitely a time and place for that 100%. But I think most of it probably stem. I wouldn't say most of it. I, I'd say a good majority of it probably stems from the management and the people who actually got those players in there in the first place that maybe you do need to get rid of. Who knows? But there's there's definitely question marks there that I think uh, I'd like to see mm, a better churn in that sense as well. I think there are very deserving contenders coaches and contenders GMs and team managers that that deserve a spot in this league, whereas other others has, has, have kind of squandered it. And if they haven't, then you know there, there's there's a problem there that needs to be fixed. Then if it's not them, then there's something about the team. The, the 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 funding whatever whatever it may be there's something wrong and you have to get in there and, and find out what it is and fix it but just rotating players out because um they must be the problem like it's very lazy and that's that's the vibe i get from some of these bottom teams it's just like well must be the players got to get a new team it's like is is that the reason why you went 0 and 7 is that it you're gonna tell me that was legitimately the reason why shanghai dragons went 0 and 40 it was the players, guys. Those 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 rascally kids going zero and forty again. I mean, there were definitely teams who won games with less than what Shanghai had. Hundred percent. Um, at, at part at least at parts of the season. So, yeah. but, but but I do like I do totally agree with you in that respect. And Perenegade brings up a good uh, point too, as well as you know, winning is not the only part about being successful. One hundred percent. 100%. Uh, let me tell you, as a fan of the Minnesota Twins, right now it's great. 
by the way. Sure. But hasn't been. Hasn't always been. Mm-hmm. Bunch of losers year after year after year. How do you find and how do you make a build a brand around your team regardless of your win record and just use your win record to bolster sure. that? Sure, you're going the- to have like highs and lows, right? You're going to have times where, you know, less mm. people are really enjoying your team because you're not fun and you suck right now. But yeah. it does it. It's one thing to go, I just can't cheer for the mayhem anymore, man. I'm sick of the colors. I'm sick of the players. I, I don't know anybody. Nothing's going on. There's no watch parties in Florida. I can't meet other mayhem fans. I feel like I'm isolated in this. They don't make good enough content, whatever. And those are all hypotheticals, by the way. Sure, sure, so sure. I'm not... If anyone's mm-hmm. from the Mayhem organizations listening, is like, well, Kick Tripod hates us. Like, that's that's not what I was saying at all. It could have easily have just been an NYXL. Just an it could have been Shock. I think Shock does a great job here. I'm here in the Bay Area. Every time the Shock are playing, I get an email about, uh, I get an email about watch parties. I get, you know, they have their super fan program that they do such a good job with, and I know some of the internal struggles that, you know, a lot of teams have with like creating good content outside of the actual gameplay overwatch league stuff. And so like, I, I think that they're one of the teams that are trying their hardest and making great content. And so those are what I think make a really successful organization. And even when the shock were mid level tier last year, there were a Mm -hmm. lot of people coming out to support, a lot of Definitely. people coming out buying uh, jerseys and <clears throat> stuff. It's that same philosophy that saved Shanghai. You know, an Owen 40 team should not have the reception that that team does, mm-hmm. but they caught lightning in a bottle and they're kind of cheered on as this perennial, even though they, they've very sick. I wouldn't say very successful, but they're successful now. They're, they're looked at as the, the underdog team. And I think that'll be that way for a couple more seasons, just because of how, bad season one was for them so i like sometimes it is just the luck of the draw and sometimes it has to be manufactured again great example florida may had come florida mayhem coming out in in season one doing their their wacky little you know intros coming to the stage people people loved loved that stuff just for that alone they didn't they most of the people don't care about the games they just want to like they want to see DPS. They want to see the crazy stuff. They want to see DeFran jumping off the top of Hollywood doing the graph shoots. They want to see people goofing around. Like people like that stuff. And you could still incorporate that. I don't know. Maybe maybe the league's stopping it. I have no idea. But it, they're not doing that either. That's the thing. Like you don't have a good team and your branding's kind of poop. So hmm, is it the players? I don't know. A lot of ways to make your team marketable yeah. besides winning. Yes. Hundred percent, and I there there's so many examples in in esports. Like a oh, great example for for anybody who's been around for a long time, go look up some of the EG HyperX commercials from their StarCraft player. Some of the funniest esports content, full on bigging up somebody as the villain, like trying to like you know valet park my car type stuff, like being this diva and making it so enjoyable and building those personalities for the for the fans to kind of latch onto, and we get some you know, half-baked documentary series where half of it is just gameplay footage. Like, yeah, it's, I, you're not trying. I'm sorry. It's not, you're, you're not trying. It's not working. I usually appreciate the production value that they try to put into that content. Sure. But, the content but again, most of like, it, I don't really care. <laughs> like, yes. I, I, that doesn't make me care more. Where did you grow up, sir? 
Where did yeah. you? When did you decide that you wanted to be? Who's asking a video me these questions, gamer? man? I'm like, bro, come let me do a piece for you. For guys. real, come literally on, anybody. It's great. If I'm dude, Garbage. if I'm social media or community or content, I'm sitting in those practice rooms every day, and I'm just like writing down interactions I see between no, players. No, I, I, I want, I want the 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 chat to realize that it's not about just you know. Oh, we don't. Well, John, what are you saying? You don't you don't care about where somebody grew up? No, no, no. If you're going to do something about like the and the NYXL do this very well. If you're going to go into a player's past and their history and how they got into gaming, make that a deep dive into that specific topic. Go back there. Talk to Mecco, maybe interview his parents, you know, talk to a family friend, really get into why they became a pro gamer, really get into why they enjoy gaming, not just what was your first game? Great. Uh, did you like this? Beautiful. That's the content. See you later. Yeah, Come there's. Well, you gotta I, try. Honestly, harder. even for me, I'm like, if if the the content isn't interesting, don't ask. If nobody cares what their first game was, and you can go and look, and I can tell you, in most cases, in interview series people don't care about what your first game was. Of course, no. there's going to be exceptions. But like, I really liked it because. Swoosh liked Mario and I like Mario and now I want to be friends with Swoosh and I bought his jersey. Like that's right, like that's the pipe dream. If if technically content is to sell your franchise, mm -hmm. the best thing is get is how do you get him to buy a jersey from you or whatever. Like that's that's kind of the goal. That's one of those questions you ask off camera as like an icebreaker to get the interviewee kind of warmed up. And if it's interesting, maybe you put it in yeah, anyway. You said that maybe you actually didn't play a video game until you were 21, but you yeah. played a ton of pinball. Like, it, like it's oh, such wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it, that's kind of interesting. And then, like, I, I don't know what you're going to branch off into that. I, I know that Yiska kind of, like, talks about this with, like, the how are you feeling and, and how that kind of, like, is framed semantically. But, like, wh who else is going to latch on to that answer? Like, oh, well, you grew up playing Legend of Zelda. How, how does that translate into the Overwatch League? Like I, that doesn't lead anywhere for me. So like you can use like there's something there, but it's what else encompanies it. It's, you can't just throw out random questions at at, a, at an interviewee and, and expect to have a decent interview. There's got to be almost a theme to the the piece. Yes, Most, sometimes you sometimes. also homogenize your content because when you ask all eight of your players that over the eight same. Like, yeah. and it's the same stuff. And it's, it's not even just the team homogenizer on the, it's literally everybody. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite food? Wow. And there's, I mean, there's a Come reason on, why guys. the best content out of overwatch league regularly is from the Top actual teams. talent. Well, Whoa. honestly, it's from the talent of overwatch league itself. Like how many more, like, and again, it's dumb, right? But it's because no one's walking around a sideshow and going, what was your favorite color when yeah. you had your first, uh, your first kiss? It was blue. <sighs> blue is one of my favorite colors too. Wow. Great. You know, instead it's Bren walking around in a vinyl Some sort of Speedo and a, and a, and a wet pool noodle. Yeah. Like whatever, and we've got man. sideshow up in a tree doing whatever fair, he's doing. Entertainers and Overwatch yeah. League players are being paid to play. And yes, if they've but got why that market I'm not expecting profit to put on a thong or bodysuit and walk flop around with a pool noodle. 
but I'm also expecting a little bit more than, hey, Prophet, if you could be one anime character, actually, that would be a really good question. Uh, if no. You, uh, no. If, if, uh, London has has good, I, I to, talk, to talk about them, I think they utilize their brand in general as Cloud9, as London Spitfire. I think they had like a, good, a great little series where their Korean Overwatch team would try to teach korean slang to their csgo team and it was like kind of fun it was a brand kind of integration like looks you know cloud nine has a you know this ownership has like this other team that maybe you want to support and maybe cloud nine fans kind of become london spitfire fans they didn't know right they they're they're merging it's it's unique it's different still like kind of interesting you still get maybe a little bit of both worlds you still get to see profit he he's, he gets to be a goofball you still get to see Bedoshin be whatever he does you know it it's different. It's unique. It's not just the same old have you boring guys, stuff that every team does. Have you guys watched Custa's News Network? No, I haven't watched. I don't. It yet, I don't so hate I can't that. Say. I think it's a decent. It could. It could idea. be great. I have to look at like, yeah, what it actually is yet. So sorry, I I can't comment on that right now. I saw their good. ping pong video, and I thought that was kind of funny. That definitely like was a very relaxed atmosphere. I like that a lot. I think Neptuno has like a series, like a very short, like 30 second series for the fusion where he just like roasts like your favorite thing. I thought that was kind of like neat. I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of funny. I don't know how true it is. It seems like it's kind of forced, but maybe, maybe there's like a semblance of, of truth. Like it, it's funny to see that the top teams actually get it. And the bottom teams are still like trying to figure things out. Hmm. Yep. The thing, the thing is, I think when you create content with a player, you gotta move with the grain of the player. Like the uh, the player gives you a certain type of wind and certain type of energy, and you gotta set your sails in that regard, right? So you're not going to do good content with Faker, the League of Legends player, that is very wacky or do like stuff, yeah. dumb stuff. What you're going to do is introspective pieces, mm -hmm. like illuminate what it means or how you get to being a legend. Right. And to self-doubt, to have like a little dip in your career. At the same time, if you have someone like Super, yes, you go down the meme route, yeah. right? You go go with the grain. And so we have like a wide breadth of type of content. You don't force pay players in situations where they are like brought to what what they usually don't consider, right? And also, that's why you have to adapt interview questions to what's yes. the... You have to rewrite the book. You cannot take lessons, copy-paste them from sports. Sports people are very different, depending on the sport. You got to adapt to esports. What kind of players are there? You got to make a little bit of a, a research maybe before you bring someone on. You got to have a good idea who, um, who these pe people are. And then just like ask in that direction and it also takes a very skilled person to or also interesting person as the interviewers themselves to have like the breadth of like knowledge into these different types and sometimes you have to be upbeat and sometimes you have to be uh like introspective and ask okay so mm -hmm. how did you get there right and i think that is a, a very hard skill and it's also something that content teams need to realize right that there are these, like, for instance, NYXL, they seem to have pretty calm players uh, other than Sebiobi. You do the fun stuff with Sebiobi. Yeah. Like, 
And then you go like, Jonak, what are you doing? And then he just sits there and talks about how he grew up and how he feels he arrived as an adult in Overwatch League and whatever with the grain. That's my thing. It doesn't, it should feel authentic. I think uh, like someone who I think does this really well, not in sports or anything, is like J- Jimmy Fallon, man. Like, look at look mm-hmm. at the why. Do you get Jimmy Fallon in Germany, mm-hmm. Iska? No, no, no. So he's, he's like a late night. Yeah, he's a late show. night talk show. He was on Saturday Night Live. Like uber mm. talented dude. Like uber uber super talented. They basically put on better shows every night than like a weekly Saturday night live. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they're that good. And they're just kind of your standard talk shows. But because like Jimmy is kind of like so talented and multifaceted, they're able to like bring on so many different, different segments. And yep. It's always like this interview. And you kind of always, when you're dealing with the PR company or agency and bringing on an actor, they have to talk about their movie and you have to do this thing. Sure. But, but it's always like, a little bit different and just it's always break it up a little fun. bit. It doesn't have to be internet shattering to be a good mm-hmm. piece of content. So I don't know. Two things I wanted to talk about. One, I loved what you were talking about with the orgs knowing their players. Because again, it's funnily enough, the top orgs know what players they're hiring and their content reflects that. The bottom teams don't even know what players they're hiring. It's very obvious through their content yeah. that they, it, yeah. who's, bring me that uh, one guy. Who did we sign that? That's a uh, Saya player fella. Yeah. He's, he's going to be great for this interview content. Boy, okay. boy, howdy. Let, let me, let me give actual results. So nobody says, okay, Florida, Florida was done dirty here. How is it that every time you replace a player two uh, uh, weeks earlier, someone from your organization tweeted how awesome the guy that is being replaced was? You you don't know in advance, do you? Like, is it just like, are you throwing your dice? Is it like, I don't know. Maybe there's internal conflict between the different parties and you kind of want to like press that angle and get your way. And then in the end you don't, but come on. Like praising Hakupion, come on, man! This guy has been a trash can for basically all his Overwatch League career. That's it, yeah. And then you replace him with Byram, who is oh boy, can't wait to see him play. Still, great. The worst Korean Zen in Overwatch League if he plays, unless Hakupion plays. Like, how is that possible, man? Uh, well, I mean, there's also two like so as a social media manager, like your job is to. Sure. Like if some, if, if you feel like, so like if I was going to be a social media manager for a team and then they sign Byram, the first thing I go is I go into our discord and I grab the, the normal crew of, of, of guys and gals. And, um, we, we sit down and I go, what do you guys think about this guy? And you guys are going to give me all of your thoughts. You're going to blah, 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 blah. And immediately I'm going, okay. That's kind of what the general perception is. And then I go to, you know, some coaches and other people and I go like, what are your thoughts on, here's what I'm hearing about this player. Like, do you think that they're on with that? And if they're on about whatever they're saying, then you're just trying to highlight the good things of what those people are saying. If they're wrong, if, you know, I go back and three G or, you know, three head coaches are like, no, that's dumb. He's great at this, 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 you should definitely like spin it differently. Mm. You're going to try and create a different narrative for that. If you think Byram is bad and Byram is actually good, hypothetically, sure. The best huh? thing I can do as someone creating content is paint Byram as a in a positive player. light. 
Mm-hmm. So that sure. I get you to act a fool and we as an organization look better. People engage with that. They share it. They do. And obviously that's all like online marketing bullshit anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah. And again, it, it's where you are using mayhem as a scapegoat, but it's very obvious through a lot of the bottom tier teams that. Yeah. Sorry if you're nothing. a mayhem fan, it's nothing personal. <laughs> I think a it's great, just the like, easiest a, topical of like when when you talk yes. about what team is just not firing on all cylinders in Overwatch League. Unfortunately, it's at the moment right now, yeah. Like you look at the Valiant, they haven't been good. They've been definitely getting better, hundred percent. But they're marketing their players well. Houston very absent from this conversation. Why? Because that's all they do is market their players. That's the only reason why they're they're so successful. At, at at the mediocre level they are is because they really push marketing. So you, again, great example of shifting the goalposts and figuring out where you want to win. Do you want to win in the marketing war? Or do you want to actually win the season? Because you can you can you can fight two battles why, why here. Not, why not both? Says NYXL. You could. They're yeah. so close. Why not both? Uh, because it's yeah. expensive, but yeah, you oh, like, 100%. You at least try, right? But if you but, but if is, you it, miss is that on the one idea or the other, here though? But if if miss, we're going to make these big sports teams, isn't that kind of the idea? Yeah. The, the idea is to make money. And you find, based on your sure. organization, what combination of content and winning and salaries and whatever makes you the most money for the longest amount of time. Like, obviously, super oversimplified so much to where, like, Yiska's like, that can't actually be right. But it is... <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, generally, no, it is right. It's just sad as hell. Like, it's you should have a like you should be sustainable. I'm not ma- saying you should lose money on sports, right? But you should be trying to be the best team you can be. Sure, I agree. But like, it, not I probably shouldn't have to say even but. But like, uh, Houston Outlaws are. Are something there's where it's definitely like, restraints there. There, they I'm, can't sign the anybody, team. and obviously that's an organizational issue. Yes. And you're, the argument is then like, well, why are you the organization to begin with then? Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're in the organization, you don't have control over those things. You go, well, we can't, <laughs> we can't make content about our level of play. Let's make content about pe- things people do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Do still care about the outlaws war? So. Uh, like there's a reason why all the omen by hp twitch pre-rolls you get is jake suiting up and he's getting ready to play some overwatch and there's a f- quick flash of overwatch and there's marketing there right that's the power of kind of shifting that goalpost again like like john said you might not be able to talk about your owen seven season you're not going to really want to talk about it even if you did but what you can do is churn out content like you did in Call of Duty about the play, like just anything about the players you can think of. It's going to stick and resonate with the fan base because of just the sheer volume of content you're putting out. I also that. think teams thought that, or teams kind of look at the spreadsheet and go, we used to pay our entire team $50,000 a year plus some amount of tournament winnings or whatever. And with Overwatch League, that's a lot higher. Mm-hmm. What can we get by with on content? Whereas when you're spending, let's just say a tenth of it, it's a lot easier to justify content. A hundred percent. And another great example to kind of add like a third uh, 
kind of choice here. Boston Uprising. You don't see a ton of Boston Uprising content, do you? Pretty pretty short and skimpy on it. Not that. But, uh, not since uh, PowerPoint had that bug, you know, so it hasn't been able to be used for a year and a half or so. Yeah. It's a joke. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand. But they're shifting that into bettering the team, better scouting. There's a reason why they're kind of leading the pack along with the NYXL and the shock in terms of scouting new talent, bringing new talent, being iterative. They might not have the best content in the world. They might not be branded as, as strongly as maybe they would have liked. But by being good in one column, the brand kind of has built itself. They're they're the and their fans you know, the, love them for that. Exactly. But when you look at these bottom teams, they're doing nothing well. And the brand just, shows yeah. exactly that. They're not doing anything. And they're why why are you here then? I, I do believe Boston is I don't get all the notifications and stuff, but I do believe that they they try to do a lot of like events and stuff. Sure, sure. Um, I'm sure they do. Oh, it's so big in collegiate, I think. True. Yeah, I, I will I will have to concede that point. I, I have seen them. But try for to the be most part, local. people people there's this marketing around Boston is this low budget underdog mm-hmm. Rudy type team, right? Where that's that's who you want to vote for, not because they have the coolest player intros, the fanciest logos, or um even like the, the most recognizable players. Definitely. It's because you like the type of Overwatch they play. You like the mm-hmm. way they make good teams look fallible. And you uh, like that kind of thing. Like as a Minnesota Twins fan, they used to call us the Piranhas. Because we weren't very good. We had such a small, low calorie uh, sal- salary cap. Calorie cap. <laughs> salary cap in like the early 2000s when we were like closing out in the Metrodome. And, but we would still like find a way to contend for playoffs because even on this little things for like piranhas, we were just always nipping at you, you know, stealing bases when other teams just aren't expecting, you know, like, you know, like pitchers are taking an extra long time to the mound. We're like, gotcha Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's, it's like, that's marketable. And that's something that you can, you can market by not marketing, not marketing. It'll just build itself. The fans will build it. Right. Yep. Free marketing. Anyways. Gotta love free. Free is great. Yeah. Um, Just get it together. Yeah. Get it together or sell it to somebody who will get it together. I'm sure Team Liquid would love to have a discounted slot in this league. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. No PvP this week. Yeah, we ran long. We did go a little long, didn't we? We can save them for maybe the extra episode. Maybe we can debate sure. and have uh, the guest uh, pick the pick the winner. I don't know. I would love to do that, especially with Toronto moves being good or bad. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. That would be funny. Uh, yeah. So I know this was, especially in these slower weeks. I know it wasn't the most like, let's talk about last week's matches. Let's talk about this week's matches. And I know a lot of people really enjoy the episode. Sure, of course. When we do that, uh, hopefully you guys kind of enjoyed us just kind of going off and having a good time and, and talking about some other things that matter that we can't really talk about during the regular season. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you all for hanging out. Uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, Yiska, I'll let you go first. Any shout outs for the week? Anything going on? Where can people find you? All that good stuff. Yeah, considering I'm going a little 
sick. I'm not sure how much content I will be able to produce this week. Definitely will be on Crouch, of course. And I got an Overture lined up. Uh, that will definitely happen. And then, Finally. yeah, we'll see. I'll also, I'm prepping for the Atlantic Showdown. Um, try to inform myself on some of those scenes because, I, let's be honest, I'm not watching all contenders regions on top of Overwatch League. I were already, honestly, I watch less Overwatch than last year. Also because there's less good matches. Um, last year, I watched of the matches, so... Yeah, we'll see. Fair enough. And then you can find all your content at Yiska out on Twitter. And do you have your own YouTube link yet? Or you just search for Yiska on YouTube? No, it's also Yiska out, I think. YouTube.com slash Yiska out. So there you go. All right, Joe, what about you, man? Shout outs for the week. Where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me at Volmel on all the socials, um, except Instagram, because um, you, you're not going to see any of my ugly you're, mug on you're that. You're not website ready for, for sure. those sexy eyebrows. Yeah. Mm -mm. You got to You got to sign up through the Patreon for that. That private Insta. Know what I'm saying? Anywho, um, I'm working on a piece about uh, you know the, the the final piece of Exodia, kind of uh, fitting into Chengdu. You know, their their main tank Jachirin has finally got his visa, so he will be uh, being a worse bumper in the league. You know, be be on the lookout for that and what that means for the Chengdu hunters. And yeah, got got a little bit of a news piece coming out there. So awesome. come on through, come on through, follow follow up, and uh, click that sub button because. Uh, you know, by the that's way, what all them YouTubers say. Great piece on Twilight, by the way. Thank if you guys you. haven't checked that out, like I, I love when when art and like writing comes together. Like one of my favorite websites is uh, Aeon Mac, and uh, they always incorporate some cool drawing towards the philosophical concept that they're talking about. Here, once again on Twilight, I was I really enjoyed it. If you're going to talk about the art, I take very, very little credit on that one. It was the website. They, oh, were, sure. like, they were in love with the piece. So they're like, we need art. Um, all illustration, all credit on that whole front goes to Hark Sharks on Twitter. Hopefully I, I remembered their their Twitter handle. Uh, I, I tagged them in the tweet. So definitely go check them out. If you need art, go to them, support your local Overwatch artist. It was it was great. I, I loved what they came up with. I thought it was fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Um, far as shoutouts go, I my first ever podcast online was Well Met Podcast. It was a Hearthstone podcast. I returned for episode one ninety nine last oh. night or on Monday, and just like I, I, I haven't played Hearthstone, so it was, <laughs> we did we did two things. So we like we're just like you know, hey, what are you up to? And just kind of sure, gave them sure. an update of what I was going on. But we also did Hearthstone. Just had a bunch of nerfs, and so mm. the idea was me not playing Hearthstone in about a year and a half have to look at the nerfs that they made and then like come up with what my justification would be uh, having no knowledge of the new cars or the meta. It was pretty funny. Uh, John comes in. Is Dr. Boom still good guys? <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's like, this is a card I've never seen before. They nerfed it from eight to nine. Hmm. I'm guessing that they did that because of this, this, and this. And like, it was funny sure. because I got a couple of them like dead on. Really? Just nice. Like, like yeah you actually nailed that that's exactly the <laughs> issue right now and a couple were just like no nope. no that's not it <laughs> nope 
and then they would go and tell you like the real reasons yeah, and, yeah. you know instead and so that was really fun that's cute we're gonna be that's on good. again for 200 for like a mega episode with uh our original it'll be our original three that we started it with mm. plus uh the two new guys who joined um not long before i had left so we did like 20 30 episodes together so there's mm. that uh, I'm going to be gearing up for DreamHack Dallas. Oh, I guess that's next week, so that doesn't really matter. Oh, go to DreamHack. Yeah, going to DreamHack Dallas with the Helicon Gaming Team. Fun. Which is going to be a ton of fun. Oh, DreamHacks are good. Shout out, by the way, um, Mineral on the show a couple weeks ago, starting his own podcast, going to have Harsh yes. on for episode one called Tempo Shift. Looks great so far. So I'm really excited. If you need more of that Overwatch fix, go check uh, them out. You can't. You can't um, go wrong with getting some firsthand knowledge in that respect. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Mineral underscore OW, I believe, on Twitter, um, because I don't know where the actual stuff is going to all be posted yet. Um, but yeah, so definitely make sure to check that out. And then, yeah, find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. I'm streaming quite a bit. I just set up Katie's streaming corner. Over here at school, like while she's gone, we got a second monitor and she's using like a full on microphone, webcam, little ring light and everything. It's going to be really cool. So she's excited to start streaming. Get so some squad streams we up. We come home and play WoW every day and we're just like, we should just stream this. Are you playing so, classic? I am in the classic beta. Oh, are you going to play classic though? Uh, am I going to play? I probably will hop in. I don't know if like I'm going to be a classic guy. Okay. Um, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to come back for classic and I think I definitely am so oh man maybe, maybe I'll stream that I don't know dude it's been so fun right I'm mean, we're having so much fun in BFA yeah I saw that new raid and there's like an underwater boss I'm like yeah I'm glad I don't have a subscription this looks like but mm. well thanks yeah. I don't know man it's fun anyways that's it uh, make sure to follow the show everywhere search for tactical crouch follow us on Twitter Twitter at tactical underscore crouch. <laughs> And also Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> swipe. <laughs> swipe right, bitches. Let's go. Exactly. Um, yeah. Other than that, we'll be back for a very short post show after the music. And we'll see you guys hopefully later this week with a special one. Mm-hmm.